going to play that whole thing every week just for you. Yeah, there's no reason to cut that down. It's too good. It's too good. I, f- I think if the fellow would pick a few more masculine songs, could get to the end a little faster, but uh, fun stuff. This series, Love Songs, all about relationships. We're right in the middle of it. We just came off of a really an incredible, just a big blessing for uh, South Point, our marriage conference that we had this last, uh, this last two days. And, you know, our, our prayer when we started planning for the marriage conference was, you know, that our, our goal for it, the reason for doing it, like we don't need another event going on at South Point. We have plenty of things going on. But what we wanted to do uh, was reach out to the most important group of relationships that there are in the world. And that most important group is the, the, the marriage and family. If, if I was Satan and I had a top three list of things I wanted to destroy in this world, I would start with marriage and the family. You know that? Once that is destroyed, your, your strength, your, your fortress of uh, help in your life uh, deteriorates and is, is weakened. So we did that. We prayed that, that God would just help us. Our goal was uh, to, to have at least 50 couples. We thought if we could do 50 couples, it would be a good first year for us. And uh, Friday for, for our egos. Uh, God allowed the 50th couple to register on Friday. So we, we met our goal this year and we just have had, I know it's only been about 24 hours, not even that yet. Uh, we've had uh, a bunch, like six or eight different people contacting us already out of that 50 that said, get, kind of gave us their story and, and some, something that one of the classes said or the breakout sessions, whatever. Um, I just want to take a second and just say publicly, thank you God for that because uh, it's too big for a few people to do. I also want to say thank you to the team. Um, uh, Pastor Jenny, first and foremost, was the one, the vision behind this. When she, when we started talking about last summer, I, I was, yeah, I'm very excited. Let's do that. And in about October, she said, okay, we're going to do it. It's, it's for real. And I said, okay, so 2020, what, like in February? She goes, no, 2019. And I said, sweetie, we can't do, you can't do a marriage conference in four months. That's not possible. And she looked me dead square in my soul and said, watch me. And uh, so really it's, it's by her leadership, but not just that. She, she picked out about uh, eight or 10 couple, uh, couples in the church, different age groups and stuff to help kind of lead that group. And I want to say thank you to those, uh, everybody in that team, and especially Sean and Micah. Abinanto, uh, the couple that emceed the whole thing. Listen, it, it, is, it is one thing uh, to, to be busy and doing things. It's incredible, the gifts and the talents that we have on our teams. But man, when you step up on stage in front of people, I have watched people that are very confident and very excited get up on stage and, and, uh, and freeze. And that makes for a really long weekend, let me say. And Sean and Micah did incredible this weekend helping lead that. And uh, really just to everybody. We're just super excited about that. Thank you, everybody. I'm already looking forward to next year. And uh, if you have any input on that, if you came and have any input, we'd love that. Email us. Give us your uh, do's and don'ts. And uh, we always like some constructive criticism and some positive criticism that, uh, that gets us in the right direction. We want to make everything better. All right. Elbow your neighbor and ask them if they're ready for week three. 
I am. This, uh, today we're, we're, we're shooting for the whole bunch. The first couple of weeks we talked about the art of attraction. Last week where we talked about marriage. This week we're going to talk about the, the family. And if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome. And uh, we've been praying for you this week just like we do everybody watching it live. And uh, we're praying that God would touch your lives and uh, speak to your life today. Change you a little bit. Or maybe even a lot if we're lucky. We're talking about uh, the family today. And let me ask you, instead of a, instead of a love song this week, how about a, is there a, if you had to say there's this one uh, TV family that best describes my family? Like, think about that for a second. Where are you at on that scale? You know, are you, are you more like the Cosbys over here? Or are you more like the Simpsons? I know I'm throwing out my age stuff, but are you, do you fall in there? Think about the influences of things in our lives and the influence of media and families that are on TV. And when I look at that, and then uh, when I look at the different families that are, that are on TV, I think to myself, I really like, they're all they're funny ones, and I watch some sitcom stuff, they're great. But there's not one, not one on TV that I look at and go, man, I wish my family was like that. Maybe I wish I, the crazy uncle was like that, you know, or the neighbors were like that. I, I wish I had a Wilson, you know, that was standing on the other side of the fence and talked to me. That would be great. But there's not a family that I look at and I go, that's what I want. I want to change my family to that. And I think the reason is, is because we understand, listen, what, what we're seeing on TV is just not real, right? Are you with me on that? It's just not real. Even reality shows are not real. I watched a documentary over reality shows a few years ago and how 95% of everything that happens on a reality show is scripted. It's set up. And so it's, none of that is real and none of it's the way that we want to be. So when I look at those things and the influence they have on us and that we really don't want to be that, there's no wonder that in our, in our marriages that one out of every two marriages in America end in divorce. There's no, no, no wonder for that because those are the influences. We look at them and go, I don't want that, but those are the influences in our life. And so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of set us up with, you know, maybe some of the reasons that we have uh, in our families and our marriages that we are not where we want to be. But then I'm going to give you a boatload of tools to use today for our families, to help our families, to help our marriages. And I'm going to try to give you so many that you could pick 20 this week and use 20 tools. Anybody have a tool in your garage that you do not use? Anybody have a bunch of tools in your garage that you do not use? How about this question? This is always my favorite. How many have tools in your garage that you used for one project years ago and haven't used since? Yeah. You know, I have bought those tools off of people when they, I, I pulled up one day and I, uh, my wife actually, Jenny pulls up uh, down the street from us and a guy had just set out, not a garage sale, he just set out like six different pretty new DeWalt tools. He had, uh, 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 you know, the chop saw, the router, the drill, the all these different things. He had all this stuff. And he, she asked and said, how much do you want for all this? And he said, you know what? I, I, I had, my wife had me do this one project. I had to buy all of this. Um, he said, I'll take 400 bucks for it. And so she calls me and says, hey, this guy's got this, 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 and he wants 400 bucks. And I said, well, it's worth about 2000. So jump on it. And I still have those tools today. And that was about 17 years ago that we bought those. And I still use those tools today. And it's because he used them on one project and didn't ever use them anymore. Listen, today, the tools that we talk about, 
Let's make a commitment right now, all right? Elbow your neighbor, get them awake. Let's make a commitment right now that the tools we talk about today will not be used one time and be stored away for the spiders and the scorpions, okay? That we're gonna use these tools. So we're gonna put them to work, man. Have you ever seen a tool in the hand of somebody that knows how to do it? I was just talking to somebody in the lobby before. We were talking about this car show, and they were talking about this guy that's super talented, but he didn't have any tools, and he was taking these pipes and slamming them on the ground to bend them. And they make a pipe bender that bends, and if you have a pipe bender, you know your, your, your corners don't look like this. They actually look like this. And it's the difference in our lives. If we get the right tools and we'll put them to use, we can take something that we've settled for and make it a work of art in our lives. Amen? So let me, let me start with this, this uh, article out of this recent newspaper. It's called uh, the Book of Romans, chapter 1. And see if it doesn't fit exactly sometimes what you see on TV, what we read in the news, on social media. Verse 22 in the New Living Translation says, Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-loving God, they worship idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, reptiles, politicians, sports athletes, all that stuff. So God abandoned them to do whatever their shameful their shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Let me just say there's, there's one group of truth in our lives and that's God's word, right? Y'all with me on that? Help me out a little bit if, you th if you're with me. There's one group that's God's truth. That's what's true. And everything else else is just a substitute for that. I don't, I don't want to harp on the news or social media or a particular area, but it's really everything else in our lives. And we have so many options today. I want to tell you, it's super easy, super easy for us to just get off track a little bit. And sometimes I get off track a little bit and I wonder why I get off track. And over the years I've put together, here are my couple of reasons that, that we get off track with our family or our marriage our relationships within there. The first one is this, that we give up God's wisdom and settle for the world's ways. Whew. Isn't that the truth? Every time I think about this, I think about my 17 diets that I've been on this year. Because I know how to eat right. Somebody say, preach it, pastor. Like, I know how to eat right. But eating right is harder than not eating right. Right? Yeah, it, and, and sometimes... When I say, I know how to live right, I know how to work my marriage, and I know how to work my relationships and my family, but sometimes it's just easier to be on autopilot and let the things around me navigate me. And it's very easy if we're not intentional, and that's the big word, is intentional with our relationships, with our marriage, and with our family, that we can just get off course. Listen to it again in Romans. This is the message version. I read this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to read it in the message version. It says this, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, instead of fitting into your culture, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Church, can I tell you, that's where it happens. First and foremost, that's where it happens is on the inside. So many times we try to condition the outside, try to change the outside to force that inside to go in a particular direction. But how many of you know that if God can get a hold of your heart, if you can fix your attention on him, that he can change all the rest of that? I used to have this shirt. When I got saved in 93, I gave my life to Christ in March of 1993, 
You know what I did to be a good Christian? I immediately went to the Christian bookstore and bought me some Christian t-shirts. Because that's what you did in 93. You don't want to show up at Frontier City at Christian Fun Day without a Christian t-shirt on. Okay? It was just against the law. And I, I had the Lord's Gym, you know, where Jesus was bench pressing the cross. Or I guess he was pushing up the cross. He was doing push-ups with the cross on his back and underneath it said, bench press this. I mean, nothing says I'm sold out like a Lord's Gym t-shirt on. I also had, one of my favorites was the Simon Peter's Fishing Company. And on the back it says, you catch him, he cleans him. Yeah, it's profound theological truth right there. But even in that shirt, we, we understand what they're saying. Like, it, it's up to us to present the gospel. We're the lights, what the scripture says. We're the salt of the world. Like, it's up to us to do that. But once somebody says yes to God, it's up to him from the inside out to change them, right? And sometimes we get caught up in the world's ways and we just drift away from God's ways. The other way that we get off course is that we follow our feelings. Elbow your neighbor on this one, all right? Follow our feelings instead of our faith. And the question that I have to ask myself all the time, anybody else talk to yourself? Me and my wife, yeah, good, I have some good company here. Me and my wife used to say it's okay talking to yourself unless you start answering yourself. And then after a couple of years of us having conversations by ourselves, we just said, no, nothing's crazy. It's, it's all good. You can just, you can have conversations with yourself. You can get onto yourself. You can encourage yourself. It's all, all, all those things work. Well, it, it's just like that. Sometimes your feelings may be strong at a moment. Could I get an amen on that? Sometimes your feelings are overwhelming. And if they're really bad, they're over stinking whelming, right? I mean, they're just all consuming sometimes. And I have to remind myself and ask myself this question, am I going to obey my feelings or am I going to trust God? Have you ever been there? I mean, is that not a a real dilemma in all of our lives? Like, am I going to trust how I feel right now? Because I know that I'm wishy-washy. This is going to change depending on if I'm well-fed or if I'm hungry, right? It changes drastically. If I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. If it's Sunday or if it's Monday, you know, whatever it is, my emotions change. And I, and I just want to encourage you resolve in your heart, no matter what your feelings are, because they change and we go through the gamut. Resolve in your heart that when you read God's word, your next step is to find a way to obey God's word. Whew. I know that's tough, it's not glamorous, but that's a life changer right there. Look for a way to plug it in. Look for a way to, how does that fit this? 2,000-year-old or 4,000-year-old scripture, how does that fit into my everyday life? Romans 8 says this. I'm sticking to Romans for a few minutes. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. And as the story I've told in, in our, our uh, speaker yesterday morning, he even used that. You, you understand when the fight of the spirit and the flesh is there, you know who wins, right? It's the one you feed the most. It's got to be intentional. Feed that spirit. Tell yourself, I can't believe my feelings. I have not learned not to trust myself. That's how we get off course. The third and last one is this, that we get off course by we trusted ourselves more than we trusted God. 
Proverbs 3 is one of my favorites, one of my first scriptures. I memorize it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So good. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He'll guide you. It's funny. It doesn't matter how many lefts or rights we turn and we look back. And if we're trusting God, it's a straight line. God has led us exactly where he wants us to go. So before we go into families, I want you to look at those three points real quick. How easy it is to get off course if we, if we give up on God's wisdom and we settle for the world. Remember Romans 12, don't settle and fit into culture. Don't get used to being just like everything you see, hear, and read. The second one is don't follow our feelings instead of our faith. Just tell yourself today, I'm just going to obey God's word. I'm just going to walk out my faith. I'm going to live what I believe. I'm not going to go according to how I feel. And the third one is don't trust myself. I am untrustworthy. I'm going to trust God. Amen? Those put us in the right direction if we don't go in the wrong direction. Now, here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to give you the boatload of tools. I'm going to give you the tools that will help return us to the OG family. Yeah, that's the pastor throwing out some pop culture language right there. Y'all know what OG is, right? It, I, I had to ask my son a couple of years ago. He, he said I was OG something, and I said, okay. I was waiting for the body language, like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? He said, OG, Dad, it's uh, original gangster. O okay. He said, it means you're the original, like you're the first, like you're the way it's supposed to be. Like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, of course. And here I am two years later, three years later maybe, and, and we're talking about the OG family. And, and what I mean by that is the original way the family was supposed to be. Have you ever thought about, have you ever stopped, I'm sure you have, but have you ever stopped and thought about how much the world you live in right now, how much it is different from the world just a couple of hundred years ago and for the rest of the history of the world? Like just in the last couple of hundred years, really since... The phone came out. It's the number one biggest change in culture in the world, in the history of the world, is our phones. That I can see everything in the world that's going on right now. I can tune into any continent, to any time zone. I can, I can go check it out. It's the, it's the number one thing that changes. And with those changes, I'm telling you, it's very easy for those other three things that we just talked about to get us off course. So today, I'm handing out tools. We're going to talk about six things, some OG tools to keep us in the right direction with our families. Let me ask you this before we get into this, because this is for sure is not just a filler message. How many of you would love to have some tools to help you keep your family right where God wants it? That's an acknowledgement in our hearts, I believe. Like raising, it's like, yes, that's what I'm, I'm going to take these tools and I'm going to use them. The first one, well, let me, let me read you this. In Jeremiah 6, 16, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Here's a big one. And walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. I love that scripture because it's not just, don't just get some information, right? But let that information transform you and you walk in it. And I just want to encourage you today, if you'll take one or two or three of these tools, you can see a change in your family immediately, immediately, plugging, plugging God in. So here we go. The first one is family first. Everybody say family first. Woo. Have you ever been busier in your life? 
I, I, I'd look at pictures. We were, we were in uh, Del Rancho. Whew, man, that's a godly place. With some of the staff guys the other day. You know they have a little steak sandwich now. L-I-L, so you don't feel as guilty with the little steak sandwich. Still hangs off your plate, but it's a little bun, so you don't feel as bad. But we were in there, and I was looking at these cowboy pictures they have on the wall, like from the uh, mid to late 1800s. And I was thinking, what a difference their schedule was back then than our schedule is today. Like their schedule probably like their entire life would fit on one page of my planner. Go from Pennsylvania to California, talk to you in six years. That was it. The whole, the whole, the whole family would change. People would die and people would be born. It'd be a different family when they reached California. Like it was a, it was a different world. And today we have to have the right tools and I'm going to tell you that one of the first things that, that I would plug into your life is family first. Tell yourself the schedule's got to change. Whatever needs to happen is going to have to happen so that the family stays first, so that it pays dividends later in life. Listen to Deuteronomy 11, it says this. Fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children talking about them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on your door frames your house, of your houses and on your gates. And like if that, if that scripture was us talking now, we say, listen, make sure that you have time with your family to converse about things, to talk about life and how that God's word leads us in life. Plug in God's word and what's happening in their life. And that only happens if you're having time with your family, right? Come on, help me out a little bit. It only happens if we put family first in our life. I think if that scripture would be, hey, write some sticky notes and stick them on your mirror in your bathroom or over your speedometer so you can actually have proof to the officer that you, you know, I didn't see my speedometer, I'm sorry. You, you can use that, I've done that before. Stick, put some sticky notes with scriptures on it to help you memorize some things. Get a, a Bible reading plan. Like What I'm saying is get some things in your life that will help you pour into your family and make them first in life. And it leads me to the, the second one, which is a close, close one on family first, is cultivate communication. Listen, I read a stat in 2014. I don't know what the stat is today, but in 2014, the average family spent this many minutes a day in communication. Can anybody guess what that is? Just yell me out some numbers. 20 minutes, that would be about five times too long. Four minutes a day, the average American family spent in communication. How in the world are we going to grow our families and communicate truth and give advice and keep us together if we're, if we're doing this versus doing this? I know. I, I face the same question. It is super important in our lives to cultivate communication. What, what, what does the word cultivate mean to you? It, it's to look for opportunities. It's to look for opportunities. You can ask my kids. There are most nights we eat at the table. And can I tell you that sometimes after we eat and we talk and somebody gets assigned to clean off the table and somebody's got to do the dishes and load the dishwasher and clean the counters and we do all of that stuff. And, you know, there's some complaining. In it. And sometimes, to be honest with you, like after the kids walk off, me and my wife will go, yeah, I didn't want to eat at the table tonight. Yeah, me neither. I just wanted to lay down. I was so tired. Yeah, that was the truth. 
But because we've committed to family first, not feelings first, somebody say preach it pastor, right? That we have to look for ways to cultivate that communication. One of the greatest ways is looking for opportunities when our lives intersect. Hey, if you're home, I want us to eat together tonight. What's your schedule this week? I want us to go do this together. I want us to spend some time. When you get home from school, since you gotta go right back in two hours to the game, I want us to sit down for a little bit and let's talk about your day or your week. Like force those things, cultivate those things, schedule those things. That's gonna change our lives when we communicate with one another. Proverbs 13, 17 is a strange, strange verse. I love strange verses. It says this, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a trustworthy envoy brings healing. A trustworthy messenger. Somebody that's speaking good news into your life. And can I tell you, like, there are sometimes, my, my daughter's sitting here, so I'm going to be honest. And there are sometimes, my daughter loves to visit and talk with us, and I do too. But she'll tell you, like, there's sometimes, an, because I get up early and go to the gym, there's sometimes, an, I'm in bed. And my wife comes in, she starts getting ready, and I put the pillow over my face. I'm like, nobody's here, nobody's here, I'm going to sleep, I'm going to sleep, i got to get up in seven hours, I'm going to sleep. And my daughter will come in and want to talk. Because she's been gone, she's been doing stuff or whatever, and I will turn around, put my pillow behind my neck. Okay, what's going on? Because I've made the, the, listen, on the inside, it's still like, just ignore her, she'll go away. She knows you love her, you're a good dad. Just, sorry, babe. Because my feelings are so strong about being tired. You know what I'm saying? I mean, tired will keep you out of some great things in life. But I've told myself for, for 17 years now, like, listen, that's not what's important. I can sleep tomorrow, I'll take a nap or whatever, whatever it is, I can catch up on that. What I can't is opportunities to talk and find out about life. And it's in those just plain communication moments that little pieces of life change moments happen. It's talking about the boyfriend or the situation at school or grades or, and we're all talking about right now, like, which college are you going to and all that? And mom and dad, would you miss a moment to give an influence over something that may be their career for the rest of their life, the career that influences their children and your grandkids? And no way, Jose, it's not worth another two hours of sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to cultivate communication in your life. Big tool. Number three, all the couples said, here I am. Ooh, not for sure if you want to say that, huh? All right, couples, here you go. Number three is this, nourish, nourish romance. Yep, got one amen out of that one. You need to throw a log on the fire every now and then. Could I get an amen? Listen, there's enough things going on. When we're talking about schedule, one of the biggest things hit by your schedule is romance and the marriage, because romance takes time. It takes time, and okay, so what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to put family first? Am I supposed to put the kids first? Am I supposed to put romance first? What's going on? Yeah, yes. You make these things a priority. Throw a log on the fire. I'm fixing to give you a bunch of logs, all right? Remember I told you you could have 20 of them today. We're fixing to give you a bunch. But, but can I tell you, I grew up in a home where I didn't know if mom or dad was going to knock the other one out, stab the other one. Didn't think they'd probably shoot each other. They knew that was kind of a, a prison sentence, so they were trying to stay out of there. But really unhealthy marriage. Can I tell you, as a child growing up, there's a lot of insecurity 
that comes just from that. Parents say, I love you. Hey, I love you. Then go get in a big argument with the other parent. The flip side of that is, Jenny and I, on purpose, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying because of our childhood, that has been one of our strong suits, trying to, like, and you can ask my daughter, weekly, she'll like, oh my gosh, quit, because Jenny will walk by and I look at her, I'm like, I'm fixing to bite you on the neck, baby. And Avery's like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving, and gets out of there, you know, like, yes, that's romantic to me, okay? It's not to Jenny, but that's romantic to me. Uh, and, but, like, it's one of those things that we intentionally plan in our lives, that we intentionally shoot for in our lives because it is too easy. It's too easy just to let the autopilot go, just to let culture steer you, just to let the schedule steer you. And you need to nourish, you need to fan into flame, that old flame in your life. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 5.18 says this, rejoice in the wife of your youth. And here we go the big one. May you ever be captivated by her love. Yes, amen. That's a good spot for an amen. So here's what I'm going to do. Very fast. And I'll put these online tomorrow if you, if you don't want to write them all down. But I'm going to give you some, a few romance killers and a few romance builders. Are you ready for this? All right, we're going to go fast. So here's some things that kill your romance. Here's the first one. Romance killers, overcommitment and physical exhaustion. And everybody said amen. That'll kill it faster than anything. That's why days need to be intentional. That's why you need to plan. Overexhaustion will kill it. The second one is debt and conflict over spending. Just quiet. Jenny is the one in our family that handles our finances. We have a bunch of different things divided up. She's the one that takes care of all of that. But you know what? We, we sit down and we talk about those things. She says, hey, here's how much our budget is. Here, we, we need to quit spending on your check card. We need to get cash out at the beginning of each week and use our cash so that we don't overspend. We've got goals to meet because we understand that if there is conflict in our spending, it's one of the biggest things that couples fight about. It's one of the top three of divorces all the time. Intimacy and money, top two. The third thing that'll kill your romance is selfishness. Everybody said amen. Whew. Romance actually works when you're thinking about the other person. That's how that works. Number four, interference from the in-laws. Thank you, Jesus. So let your spirit right now speak to people. That's all I'm saying about that. We're moving on. Number five, unrealistic expectations. There needs to be communication in your marriage so that you understand real expectations. Amen? That's the only way we know. Sometimes expectations are awkward to talk about. It, when you, you, know, you want to kiss and make out, that's not, that's not the time to go, by the way, what's your favorite kind of kissing? What's your favorite kind of making out, babe? Like, not, not that moment, okay? When you're out eating or something like that, say, hey, I enjoyed biting you on the neck earlier. Freaked the kids out, they left. Yeah, we loved it. Does that bother you when I do that? You like that? I know it's awkward. This is part of it. But as a couple, it helps you to understand what are real expectations in our life and especially in our romance. I wish, I wish more pastors would talk about this in a godly fashion, in a correct way to help our families be stronger. 
Because like I said, when there's good chemistry between mom and dad, there's great security in the kids and in the family. The next one is this, substance abuse. Can I tell you that anything, substance abuse, the wide variety of it, kills romance. I'm just, I don't want to meddle, but can I just tell you, that's true. What's sad is I probably get more from one spouse then that spouse tells the other spouse. They probably tell me like, what, how should I do this? Because it bothers me when my spouse is participating in this, taking a hold of that. I'm just gonna ask, th these are tools, use these tools. The next one is this, pornography. Pornography, talking about unreal expectations. Pornography is media like TV families that we were talking about. It's much worse than that, but it's just unrealistic. It's not real. And if you participate, if you let that get in your mind, you form an unreal expectation that nobody really on this planet could ever meet. So your spouse is going to fail you cons consistently. Whew. Preach it, pastor. All right, I am good. Thanks for telling me. Next one. The grass is greener syndrome. Anybody understand what that means? Everybody's always got it better. I never forget, I went into a friend's house in Edmond, Oklahoma. We went into their house. They lived in an $850,000 home. Oh, it was beautiful. Roll up big. They had a, a, I don't know what they call it, but like they had like six garages and we spun around. I'm like, this is Lifestyles of the Rich. We walked in these big giant staircases. It was beautiful. And after we got past the entry hall, I kind of noticed like, this place is bare. And we're kind of, talking and they had this room set up and this room set up and the rest of the place was empty and they were telling me that he was telling me that the people that he works with they live in a house like this so that's why they bought a house like this they can't really afford it and that's why they don't have any furniture in their house but they were they were trying to project that the their grass is really green and it was fake. Can I tell you that when the grass is greener, the water bill is usually higher? Somebody needs to write that down. Next one. Is this the last one? Business success and failure. Romance killers. Too much, too fast. Too low, too fast. Kills the romance. But let me do this. Let me give you some builders. This is what we're in it for. Let's skip to the builders. And I want to give you some builders. Romance builders. Love yourself first. Listen, I, I don't need to be doctoring somebody that's always insecure and projecting those insecurities onto me. I'm here to help you. We're, me and Jenny are in this together. We're a team. That's how the two become one. We're a team. And I'm in it to help her. But if I'm not healthy and I'm constantly projecting my insecurities onto her, she's not going to be able to deal with that. Love yourself first. Understand who God created you to be. Amen? It's so good. Here's something else to build your romance. Start, start each day, that's a star each day. Start each day with a hug. Couples ought to be saying, yes, sir, amen, preach it, brother, right now. Add some physical contact in to the beginning of your day. Get those bodies together. You can write that down and tell your spouse tomorrow morning, all right? Pastor said it. Third one, say I love you every time you part. It's a secret of life right there, super simple. Number four, slow down. We don't need to say any more about that, do we? We've talked a lot about that today. The next one, 
go on a date at least once a month. Can I tell you, my wife took me the other day. She said, hey, we have a gift card to go out and eat. Let's go out and eat and we're going to go on a date. And I've got it planned. I said, great, let's go. We went out. This was a week ago for Valentine's Day. We went out. Y'all may have seen the pictures. I said, what are we doing for the date? She said, we're going to go paint. <laughs> okay. I go, what do you mean? We're gonna, and she goes, you know those like, you know, wine and palette or whatever those things are, and you go in the big room with everybody and everybody draws the painting that's up there, and I'm like, how much is that? <laughs> right? Because you're looking for a parachute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it was 35 bucks a head for this Valentine's Day. I said, and we're not going to drink, so they have discount for the water people, you know? Like... Uh, paying for everybody else's drinks and and no uh it's 70 but it's a date babe we haven't been on one since last month let's go like okay okay if you want though i could go to hobby lobby (laughs) just saying save us 50 bucks right there be quiet and don't say anything else because scott what's more important is not what you're doing it's who you're doing it with right it's time away my wife told the story yesterday that a few years ago when our kids both went to camp, we, we got in the vehicle and we went to Colorado. We drove my Jeep to Colorado, spent three days and drove back straight through. And on the way back, do you know what my wife said to me? After driving around the most beautiful state in the world in the middle of June, it's just perfect, glorious. She looked at me and we're driving. I said, what? And she goes, I forgot how much I liked you. So, well, I don't know whether to stop and let you out <laughs> or give you a kiss. <laughs> but do you understand what she's saying? Sometimes the busyness of life just takes over and you have to say, no, we're going to set aside some time. You don't have to go to Colorado every time, but set aside some time once a month where you get away for a couple of hours. Turn off your phone, put it in the back pocket, leave it in the car or whatever, and just go, it's just us. Go sit and have dinner by yourselves. Go sit in the corner, read a book together, talk, that kind of stuff. All right, let's keep going. Next one, apologize sincerely. Can't be overstated. The next log, be forgiving. Can I tell you that's not conditional? It's not depending on whether they're forgiving or not. You just learn to be forgiving. And it's amazing how planting those seeds begins to produce fruit back toward you. Be forgiving. It's romantic. Next one, let her give you directions when you're lost. Yep, that'll turn them on, fellas, I'm telling you. Romance right there. All the women should have said amen on that one, yeah. Just listen to her. Next one, maybe just as good. And ladies, laugh at his jokes, all right. I understand. About one out of ten are are knee slappers, you know what I mean? Their belly laughs, about one out of ten. The rest of them are just something that just fell off my mind, into my tongue, and I just spit it out. Just giggle a little bit. Yep. Next one. Never go to bed mad. I had to, I had to preface. You don't have to do the two funny ones before we get to that one. Don't go to bed mad. Change your life. Learn to work things out. Even if you don't have it all resolved. Babe, I understand. I understand. I'm not mad. I love you. Let's go to bed together. Next one. Always work it out. Just talked about that. The next one. Men, ask her to marry you all over again. I do this once a year. Just do it once a year, no matter what. Find a spot. It's amazing. You're down at Bricktown. You go into Sonic to get a little ice cream walkout and just go right there. Just do that. Just, hey, babe, 
will you marry me? And people will gather around like, yeah, that was awesome. Like, Thanks, we've been married 25 years. Yeah, we're just, yeah. But it's great, it adds a log to the fire of romance. Next one, ladies, it helps if you say yes, all right? Now, I'll post all of these tomorrow, but let me just tell you, there are things like this that out in society, out on social media, out there that are really good for us. You can look up 50 cheap dates. You can go to the websites and find things like that. Look for opportunities to build your romance. Amen? All right, I got to get these other four out, the other three. The number four is to celebrate differences. Celebrate differences. Remember, you married your spouse because of who they are, not because you want them to be like you. Everybody said amen. You are opposite sex, but it's because you are also complementary sex. You fit together, you complete one another. The two opposites come together and make one. Did I just start ringing or is that just me? Ringing a little bit? Mark 3.25 says, a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. But Proverbs right after that, or right before that says, homes are built on a foundation of wisdom and understanding. Understand who your spouse is. Celebrate those differences. Everybody say celebrate differences. It's a secret of life. Number five, finish together. Throw out the option of divorce. Let's just throw it out. From this day forward, doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Remember, God is the God of new beginnings. From this day forward, we're just going to throw it out, right? We're going to start fresh. Our goal, our goal, our goal is to finish together, to finish this together. Malachi 2.16, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to your wife of your youth. The man who hates, this is what he's described, that man who hates and divorces his wife, said the Lord, the God of Israel. Who does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Twice in that passage, said, be on your guard, like be intentional. Understand that there's a world fighting against you. There's Satan, there's darkness fighting against you. Listen, my goal, my goal is to finish together. I want to finish wore out 65 years in this together, thousands of memories. I want to finish together. And the last one is the most important one of it all. It all boils down to this, church. Trust God in your life. Can I tell you that being married to someone, learning to love them better every year, because it's a, it's a process to learn to love. I love. I love my wife enough to marry her in year one, all right? I gave my life to her. But can I tell you that 24 and a half years later now, I love her a hundred times more than I did that day because we've been through it, we've been tested, we've had to say, in spite of how you're acting, I love you anyways, and that's trusting God. In spite of that, I trust God because our goal is to finish together, to build romance, to cultivate communication, to keep our family first in our lives. So this is how we're gonna round this out today. Instead of thinking about the family you're like on social media, on TV, Here's what I wanna pray for. I wanna pray for what you want your family to be like. Man, I feel like our family tries hard. I feel like Jenny and I have as good of a marriage of anybody that I know and, and we work at it. It's hard, it's difficult, it's not always easy. In fact, probably half the time it's difficult living that out. But can I tell you, it's because we have a vision of who God has called us to be in our lives and we wanna live that out. What do you want your family to be like? What do you want your marriage to be like? 
Don't worry about the past. Don't bring it with you. Don't drag it with you into the future. Let's draw a line today and let's say, Lord, can you help us from this day forward? This day forward, create, cultivate, put a log on the fire. Be intentional about growing the family and the marriage that you want us to have. Let's pray that together. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much. We thank you for your word. Try to put as much word as I could today, Lord, into this message because it is so powerful. It, it has taught us so much. Jenny and I coming from non-Christian homes, never hearing your word. Your word is what has saved us, God. But I pray that today your word would be the, the ignition for the fire in our lives. The fire to, that is that desire to have a strong family and a strong marriage. That that would reflect into our kids, into our grandkids, into our relatives all around us, our immediate family, our extended family. First and foremost, Lord, we want you to help us grow our families into the families that you have designed that OG family, those families of the ancient ways. I pray that from this day forward, Lord, I pray blessing over every family, every marriage represented in this room, that you would help us to take the tools that you've given us in your word and apply them intentionally every day, that your Holy Spirit would give us the power, the discipline, the love and the patience and the forgiveness that it's gonna take. It's in your name, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.